Good morning. Who's ready to change the world right now? Oh, we got four of you. Great. We're off to a good start. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Journey Church. Uh, first off, if you are a second through fifth grader, our kid mode program is ready for you over here. You guys are dismissed. I promise leaders we will be through by 1230 at the latest, okay? <laughs> so you set their expectations there when you, you know, you just kind of exaggerate. Uh, Kidmo, if you're a visitor, is our, our programming we have for second through fifth graders. It's age-appropriate teaching for them where we teach the Bible on their level. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not much higher than a second to fifth grader myself, so don't expect a lot this morning. <laughs> you know, I kind of teach to my own level here. Well, how is everybody? Are you enjoying your weekend? How many people have a long weekend this weekend? Yay, woo-hoo. Yeah, every. Some, some, we have some new graduates here that are now unemployed. <laughs> uh, just welcome to the real world. That's adulting. You're now unemployed, and for the rest of your life, you will be seeking employment or education, one of the two. So just, you know, it's awesome. It's lots of fun. No adult in the room is agreeing with me. But guys, this morning, we're going to continue our series about Empowered. I love the intro video. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to change the world, correct? It's not me. It's not you. It's not other churches in town. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And we're going to talk about several aspects of being empowered during this series. Today we're going to be talking about, how appropriate, talking about our words. How the things we say can empower us. And we are empowered through the Holy Spirit in the way we speak. And I'd like to open with our, our theme verse for this morning. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is verses 1 through 2 and 4 and 5. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. That's what I want you to think about today as we go through this, this message, is being empowered through the Holy Spirit. And it is about Him and not us. It's not about what I'm going to say this morning. It's not what you might hear some other pastor on a podcast or wherever here. You know, it's, it's about how the Holy Spirit works through us. And we have to be prepared. And there's some things we have to do for us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have to have our hearts in the right place. Just a couple of points out of this, this first passage of Scripture that I really like. Uh, because it fits me well, my message and my preaching were very plain. I like to be plain and honest and truthful. Uh, Mark and I were talking to a fellow pastor friend this week and said, you know, when you see us, this is kind of what you get, whether it's Sunday morning, whether we're out and about in public or whatever. We're just kind of the same all the time. We don't put on a big show here on Sunday mornings and try and impress you with our, our speech or, or anything like that. You know, we try and teach in a very plain manner. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches. Does anybody know what that means? Clever and persuasive speeches. I can tell you a couple of ways that I've seen that used, in, in especially from people teaching from the position I have up here, is they will play on your emotions. Has anybody ever been in church and had your emotions played? Doesn't feel good sometimes. Um, and it lasts, the effect of that, lasts about as long as the emotion lasts. That's the reason we want to talk about the Holy Spirit today, the one that lives within us, coming out through us, instead of working through our emotions and things. Another thing as far as clever speech, 
You know, we, we see people that use what I would call gimmicks sometimes. And, we, and you know, there are teaching illustrations and things that you can use. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things where we, it's almost like a mass marketing scheme where we promise you something from God if you'll do something. You know what I'm saying? If you do so-and-so, God will do this for you. You know, if you do this, God's going to bless you so many fold over. If you do this, God's going to do that. That's kind of that clever speech where we're almost trying to trick people into to attending church and giving and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's the clever and persuasive speeches that we don't do that here. And there's a reason for that. He says, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Only what God was speaking through me is what Paul's saying here, the author of this letter to the Corinthians. I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that Paul's speech to those people was empowered. It was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He did not trust in, excuse me, he did not trust in human wisdom. How many of us trust more in human wisdom than we do in the power of God? If it seems like it's something that we can go forth and accomplish, and it's possible from a human perspective. Do you know that's probably not what God wants us to do? Have y'all ever thought about it that way? If we're going to go out and change the world, and we make this plan of how we can do it, that's probably not the way God wants us to do it, because we're not relying on His power, we're relying on our wisdom of how we'll do that. I'm very guilty of that myself. As is my occupation during the week, I am an engineer and project manager, so everything I do has a plan, and it has to have resources, and it has to have people and, and equipment and things in place to make things happen. God's world doesn't work like that, y'all. God's word, his world, his kingdom is not of this world, and he has a different plan on how that works through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He does things to change the world that we can't do. Have you ever thought about that? If it wasn't for God's power in this world, none of us would be here today, would we? There was some time, somewhere, that the gospel came to you. Did anybody was just sitting, had never heard any preaching, any teaching, and they were laying in bed one night and God said, here's how you get saved. Nobody's had that experience, have you? That's because God is enabling His messengers in this world through the Holy Spirit. So, the thing that we need to remember is we need to speak the gospel through our words. This is important. We need to just state the facts. Sometimes we, as Christians, we get out here in the world and we start adding to the scriptures. We start making scripture say it agrees with politics or policies or all these things like this. The gospel is so much better than all that stuff. The gospel is so much higher than all that stuff. And that's what we need to be speaking about through our words. I'm always reminded, this was attributed to Joe Friday. Does anybody know who Joe Friday is? We have a couple of Dragnet fans back there. You younger people, you might have seen the movie with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. That might be in your generation. You may have seen the movie. But Joe Friday would go and when the the police, he was a police officer, a detective, when they would go and interview the the person that had witnessed the crime or had some information, the person would start babbling on about everything in the world. And he'd say, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. As Christian messengers, that's what we need to portray to the world is just the facts. If you can't back it up with Scripture, it's not the facts, is it? As far as what it means to the kingdom of God, the facts are in the Holy Scriptures. And that's where we need to base those facts that we, we tell people. So just speak the gospel through your words. Talk about Jesus. 
Talk about how much he loves us. Talk about God sending his son to us, how he died for us, how much he loves us, and how the power of the Holy Spirit can come into us and help us live our lives every day. That's the gospel, guys. That's what we need to be communicating. We communicate so many things other than the gospel with people, don't we? Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute. But now talking about words, the Bible has over 100 verses dealing with how we should speak. Over 100 verses. Now, guys, this is where you're fortunate this morning. As the associate pastor at Journey, you don't have Mark Love up here, or he would try and get 100 verses in before we leave. Amen? Y'all have experienced this, Mark. I can pick on Mark because he's not here today, and he might listen to the podcast. He might not. We'll see. We'll see. So don't anybody tell him what I said. But in truth, Mark and I both try to emphasize Scripture when we teach because that's where the truth comes from. It's not what Mark and mine's opinion of the Scripture is. It's what the Bible says. And like I said, there, are, there were 100 verses. And I looked through those this week, and they were all good. I could have honestly stood up here. Mark and I talked this week. We could have made a series of messages out of how we should speak and how, what our interactions with the world could be. But unfortunately, we only have that time today to do this, and I promised you to be out by 1230, so... Yeah, we're not going to do 100 verses. But what we say when we speak is an indication of what's in our hearts. And you know, sometimes, guys, we're rotten from the inside out. Y'all know that? What comes out of our mouths is a reflection of what's in our hearts. Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. That's tough sometimes. Some, I don't know about you guys, but my heart is not perfect 100% of the time. How about you? So what flows out of my heart sometimes isn't what needs to come out through my mouth, but it does. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But we need to store up good. This says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. That means you need to be filling your heart with good things so that you have a nest egg of good things that you can pull from when you speak. It's just like your bank account. You bank up, and when, when the times hit that you need to withdraw some money, you have this repository of money that you can draw from to do things with. Same thing with our speech. We need to have a treasury of good things in our heart so that when we get ready to speak, we can just pull one of those good things out of our heart and it comes through our mouth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll know what to say in situations. We need to always pull the good things out of our heart. Our words can either bring healing or hurt. How many of you have ever been hurt by something somebody said to you? I think everyone has at some point in time. Whether it be a family member, a friend, your spouse, your children, whoever. We say things sometimes that hurt people, don't we? Any of y'all ever intentionally said something hurtful to someone? Everybody has. Let's see, why does your hand keep going up first? I'm just curious. Because I'm living out loud, I'm confessing. Hey, that's exactly right. That's, that's exactly right. And I'm teasing Leslie because I, I, I much have that personality sometimes. If I say what I think, you probably don't really need to hear that. You know, sometimes you have to bottle these things up inside, and it's best not to say them right then because our, our words, they either bring healing or they bring hurt. Proverbs chapter 18 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. 
Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Wise words satisfy, and the right words bring satisfaction, and the tongue can bring death or life. Now, how many people do you think are being, will be accepting of the gospel message that you present at some point in time if your tongue brings death to them? How, how hard is that? How much, you know, we talk about the Holy Spirit empowering us, but we have an almost overwhelming responsibility ourselves to present that gospel in a true and acceptable manner as Christ would have us to do it. So if our words can bring either death or life, you know, that's, that's pretty serious. That, that, that elevates our words to the, to the level of a brain surgeon doing surgery on an operating table. His hands can either bring life or death depending on what he does there. You know, it's like having a, having, holding a gun to someone's head and you're going to pull the trigger or not. It's life or death. It's that serious. And our words are that serious that we speak. They can either bring healing or hurt. They can bring life or they can bring death. And I often don't think about that, that it's that important that what, what we say should be glorifying to God and bringing life to people and encouragement to people. How many of you grew up in a Christian environment from a young age? How many of you have ever had the church hurt you through its words? There's people all over. That's one of the things that, that when we started Journey Church over 10 years ago that Mark and I were very careful of and very, and very aware of is that people were being hurt by churches. That churches were coming out and they were very good at having a long list of do's and don'ts. Am I right? We had a long list of do's and don'ts of things that probably weren't where found in Scripture. And that hurt a lot of people. It would be based on your appearance. It would be based on your job. It would be based on your spouse. Do you, do you know what? You know, we're in the, in the middle of working with some other churches in our area in, the, in the, the realm of racial reconciliation. Do you know there were churches that would tell you it was a sin if you were white and you married a black person or vice versa? Now, can you imagine that today? Biracial couples are... What, what does that matter? What does the... the, the the pigmentation of your skin matter. Nothing. And we have lots of, of families here that have mixed racial roots and things. Guys, at one time, churches were preaching and bringing death to families because they were telling them that was wrong. Can you imagine standing before God, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, and saying, well, God, I told those people that they shouldn't be together, and they left the church, and they never came back, and, you know, God... I'm not even sure if they ever accepted your son as their savior, and it's because of what I said. That's what I'm saying, guys. Our, our words are serious. If they can bring life or death to a family, my goodness. I mean, it's, it's so hard to be put in that, that situation sometimes, and it's such a big responsibility that we need to be encouraging. Another relevant verse is from Ephesians chapter 4. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Well, that's pretty easy. How many of us were raised that you don't cuss and say certain things? Don't be foul and abusive. That's, that's pretty straightforward. But let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that, who hear them. How many words do you hear in your life that are good and helpful every day? We were watching the, the news this morning. What's the name of that segment, Karen, at the end that we like that has the positive news in it? Ups and downs. It'll have some negative things, but it has some really positive, uplifting stories. How many of you listen to the news and hear lots of good things that encourage you every day? How many of you even listen to the news anymore? <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't even listen anymore because it's gotten so polluted with opinions and abuse and, 
and fighting and things. You know, we as human beings living here on this earth long to be encouraged. How many of you would rather be encouraged than insulted and dressed down and, and told how, how horrible you are, that you're not worth this? You're, you're just not, you know, anybody ever been told they're not worth anything? Yeah, lots of people have said that. And, you know, I think some people are more sensitive to that than, than others. Your life experiences influence how you react in situations, Okay. If you've ever been put down like that, you are probably more likely to react in a negative manner to even joking things about that than others are. Our life influences shape how we react in the world. And that's one of the things when you're talking to someone, you don't know their life experiences. So you need to be careful in how you do things that you only speak encouragement because it can even be something small that you say in jest that hurts someone deeply because of their life experiences that you don't know. You don't know what's happened to them in the past. So we need to be careful about how we say those things, that we need to be encouraging and good and helpful. Good and helpful. I think we would all say the gospel is what the what kind of news? Good news. That's right. We're to carry the good news to the world. But some of the things that we preach are not necessarily as helpful as others, but you will hear things that we say here at Journey, that we do in our small groups, that we do from, from here on Sunday mornings, that we want it to be helpful. We want it to be something that throughout the week you can draw back on something you heard either here on a Sunday morning or in your small group that you can go and say, hey, I remember talking about this and this is that kind of situation. This is what I should do to react in a Christ-like manner. That's why we, we teach things. We teach about, uh, last week Mark talked a lot about giving and how that empowers you. That's not, a, that's not just a plea to give money to journey, but that's to help you in your lives to not let money be your master. You know, there's a lot of people in this world today that money is their master, isn't it? it it's absolutely, it's what drives, and, it, and if we're all honest, to some extent it drives all of us because we like to eat, right? We like to live inside. You know, we, we don't want to be homeless on the street with no income, so it does, it does drive us that, that we need to have money. But we need to put it in a, the proper perspective. And that's what Mark and I always try to do. David, whoever's up here on stage teaching, whoever your small group leader is, we try and bring things that are helpful to you, helpful words, things that make your life better. Who, who was it? Was it GE had the, the slogan on TV, makes your life better? GE makes life better or something like that? Brings good things to life. That's it. That's what we want to do is we want to bring good things to your life. We want to bring helpful things. We want to bring encouraging things. Now, does that mean that sometimes you don't go away here with a negative feeling about your life? Of course not, because we're teaching God's truth. And when we take our life experiences and what's going on in our lives and we contrast it to what's God's truth and His standard is, do we ever measure up? I don't. I don't know about you guys, but I don't measure up in those respects. So I need to be reminded sometimes of what, what, the, what the bar is set at and what we should be doing. And sometimes you come away from here and you don't feel good about a message or you feel like, well, God, I'm just not living up. That's never our intention is to try and manipulate you through emotions or anything like that to do something in your life. But what we want you to know, guys, is you can be so much better than what you are today. You can change the world. Just like this video says, the power of the Holy Spirit in you can engage with the world and change the world around you for the better. And that's the reason we teach some of these things, is to encourage you so that you'll know there's things that I need to do if I want to really change the world. And if you don't want to change the world this morning, you know, work on that. That's God's mission for us. 
why would any of the rest of us be? Do you think God has the power to change the world just like this himself? So why did he leave us here? He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us in changing this world. And we need to be aware of that. Until you live out the fulfillment of that in your life, you're not living a fulfilled Christian life. You're, you're just not where God wants you to be. And you're not enjoying all that he has for you. That's the biggest thing is, you know, our, our motto, our slogan, whatever you want to call it here at Journey has always been come as you are. But we don't want to leave you that way. We love you guys too much to leave you where you're at. We want to see you be better. We want to see you be living for God. We want to see God living through you and you changing the world. And that's the reason. Come as you are, but just keep building and keep growing and keep learning. All of us do that. Mark and I talk about that. You know, if you don't think we've learned something in 10 years, well, maybe we have an exhibit that we've learned anything in 10 years here, but we learn something all the time. We share it with each other. We share it with you as we learn things because we always want to be growing. Again, talking about encouraging words. Here's another one that, that I think a lot of people can relate to in Proverbs. There's a lot of Proverbs in here today because it's very practical words to us of encouragement. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anybody ever have anxiety? What Name something somebody's anxious about or you have been anxious about. What are some things? New career. New career? What else? Bills. Bills? What else? Graduates. Graduates. Yeah, she's anxious because I don't think you were in here. She's unemployed now. She needs to find a job. So oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> I love to tease my friends. Um, but yeah, what else? We have money, we have bills, our careers, what else? Relationships? Anybody ever been anxious about your relationship? Yeah, that's something. What else? Grades? Oh God, I'm, who said that? Nay, nay, I am going to go and I'm going to have nightmares about grades now. I'm going to have PTSD over school now. I'm going to go home and dream tonight. I'm back in school and I haven't taken the right classes and I'm not going to graduate now. It's going to be just awful. How many of you guys made good grades but had anxiety about it? Oh my goodness. You know, it's like, and do you know what? This day, been in my career at the, the, my current place of employment for 30 years. Do you know what? No one has ever asked me what I made in a single daggum class. Nobody has ever asked that question. They don't care. Can you do the job? That becomes irrelevant on your resume within five years of what you've done in school. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't go and just goof off and not learn anything because there are things that you're taught in school that will benefit you in your career, benefit you in living in this world. But my goodness, the anxiety it can bring on you to make good grades. How many of you give your kids money for making good grades? That's always encouragement for me. If you, if you can do it for money, it's a good thing. You know, I'll, I'll do this. Yeah. This morning, Diesel Murphy was telling me that, that Nikki used to bribe them with the little, you ever see little icebreaker mints? Yeah. Diesel said that if they would eat all of their breakfast and all their lunch, which is no longer a problem for anybody in their family, trust me. Nobody has any problems there eating anything. But if they would eat all their breakfast and dinner, when she got home from work, they would get an icebreaker mint. I'm like, you guys are easy. You can bribe those kids with an icebreaker mint. But yeah, anxiety about things. How, you know, your relationship, you know. How many of you can remember your first date? Were you anxious? Or were you anxious about it? Don't remember it. But yeah, we're anxious in our relationships and the things we do. But anxiety weighs you down. 
You know, you're worried about your career, worried about your health, worried about your parents' health, worried about your children. We worry about everything, don't we? So there's lots of anxiety in our lives, but a good word can help that. You know, if I can encourage someone about how to go through school and, and what you should take and how it applies to your career, man, I love talking to people like that. You know, people will sometimes come and job shadow us at work and they'll ask, you know, what's it like to be an engineer? And I tell them, I don't know. I didn't use any of that stuff after I, got, I graduated from school. <laughs> My engineering stuff, I use the management stuff I learned, not the engineering tools. Some people are the exact opposite. All the business and arts and things they use, they never use that. All they do is sit behind a computer and do mathematical calculations. You know, but you can relieve somebody's anxiety with a good word and say, it's going to be okay. And do you know why it's going to be okay? Can anybody tell me why it's going to be okay? God's in control. God's in control. Absolutely. It doesn't matter so much what we do as long as we trust God to do things through us. And that's where that anxiety is so weighing down. Do you think God knows what your anxiety is? Do you think he knows everything that's going on this morning going on in our lives? Absolutely. He knows all of that. He knows what's what's going on. So let let us say good caring words to people. You know, I think one of the one of the really good paths for people learning about Christ is for Christians to treat them kindly. You guys agree with that? When somebody's going through something, if you have some kind words and some encouragement to them, they'll think, that really meant something to me. Why did they know that and I didn't? And maybe they will look towards Christ in those things through your words. So that anxiety, just speak a good word. Now here comes a really good one. Think before you speak. Anybody ever been guilty of speaking before you think? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. There's, there's lots of things we can say there. Karen gave me this quote. I was, she was looking through my notes and stuff, and she, she gives me some input. And this was a good one from her grandma, Mac. It says, the spoken word is a master of you, but the unspoken word you are master of. Ooh. I'm like, wow, that's, 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 you know, that's Chinese proverb level there. That's good stuff, isn't it? That's, you might find that in your next fortune cookie instead of lottery numbers if you're lucky. You know, but... The spoken word is master of you, but the unspoken word you're a master of. Once it comes out of your mouth, what can you not do? You can't get it back, okay? You will also find, folks, here's another very good example of this. If you post it on Facebook, what can you not do? You can't take it back. Once you post, you can hit under. And there are evil people in the Facebook world. I will watch them. They'll say, well, they deleted that, but I screenshot it and I've got it right here on my phone. Here it is. It is never gone because I've got it right here. You will see that. You, will, you cannot retract what you say, especially not in our digital world. Somebody's got a copy of it. There is a copy of what you say. But we need to think before we act. Straight from Proverbs. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Again, this is going back to those things that that we talk about. um, What comes from within is what comes through our mouth. The righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Well, first of all, the wicked's heart, is it a treasury of good like we were talking about? No, they don't have a bunch of stuff banked up in there. All they have is evil in there to spout forth at people. But the righteous ponders how to answer. You know, sometimes when somebody asks you a question, you know what the correct answer is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. People go through things, and especially as I was talking a minute ago, 
we as Christians have a great opportunity sometimes to share with other people when they're going through problems. But sometimes people go through problems you've never experienced. Is that correct? I've never been through this. And so my answer may always be, I don't know. But I'll pray about it and I'll pray for you. You know, one of the things I found years ago, and some of you know my background and some don't, is, is I did a lot of ministry through car shows and things in our area. A lot of, a lot of uh, speaking engagements and things and we would we'd go out and interact with people. And one of the things that I have found, and I still have relationships to this day before, because of this, is making friendships with people there that had a common interest. And then before our chapel services on Sunday, simply asking, how can I pray for you? Is there anything going on in your life that I could pray for? You know what? Now, some people do occasionally say, well, thanks, but no thanks, I don't believe in it. I've never experienced that, honestly. Everyone has been appreciative and nine times out of ten, it opened up a conversation about God. Just by simply asking, hey, I care about you. Is there anything I can pray about today? I have friends that still aren't believers that I have great relationships with. And they know my stance on that. And they know I pray for them. And it doesn't matter. You know what I tell them? I say, I know you may not believe that, but you're not going to stop me from it. I'm going to pray for you anyway. My faith doesn't... Re- my faith doesn't depend on your belief in what I believe. Y'all, can I get an amen for that from you? You know, it doesn't matter. What, what I believe is what I believe, and what you believe, you know, I hope to influence you through my actions, but it's not going to affect what I do. I still want to, I want to be truthful with you, but I want to pour out good things, and I want to ponder. Just like we said a minute ago, thinking before you speak, what you post, you know, and those sort of things. Don't say everything that pops into your head. That's probably a very good thing, isn't it? Don't say everything that pops into your head. There are things, this would be really funny, but oh no, this is not the environment for that. (laughs) Do you ever say things to your close friends you wouldn't say to others, even in jest? I think everybody does that. You know, there are things that need to stay up here and not come out, especially not in the inappropriate place. The problem we have with interacting with society, we talked about a little bit on Facebook and things. Do you know why that is so hard is because the world is filled with what? Stupid people. They're everywhere. Okay? You can post something so innocent and people will make a big deal about it. You can say something. It's like, do you not even look for the fact? But we have to live in the world with stupid people. And I'm one of them. Have any of you all ever been offended by something and then found out that wasn't even what the person was saying? You're like, well, I feel kind of dumb now. I made a big deal about this. And that wasn't even what they said. They actually agreed with me. Now how do I argue with them? This is just awful. Yeah, but we deal with stupid people. We deal with stupid situations. We deal with people all the time. And it's really hard to deal with because we don't know what to say sometimes. So why don't we just not say anything? Sometimes that's best. Is your opinion more important than God's kingdom? Never. How many Christians have gotten in trouble for saying their opinion on things and not the truth? Do you know what? God doesn't care about 99.9% of the stuff that we care about, which is sad, isn't it? <laughs> that the things that we care so deeply about, issues in our society, and things that we just care so deeply about, God doesn't care about. And I want to really highlight this in, a, in this next session, ses- section this morning. I'll get the word out here in a minute. How should we speak to those who don't know Christ? There's where our problem comes in, is... Would y'all agree that Satan is our enemy? 
Everybody agrees with that. Nobody's going to question that. Are the people that don't follow God our enemies? No, it's not the same thing. We were once those people. And for most aspects, other than the saving grace of Christ, we are still those people. And so here's the problem we get into. Somewhere in our society, we have, we have made the equivalent of not following God of being our enemy. Because Satan's our enemy, and you people technically are following Satan because there's only two. You either follow Satan or God. Those people are following Satan, so I need to set them straight. Am I right? That's what we need to do. We need to go out into the world and talk to these people and tell them how horrible they are and that God hates them because of what they do. Do we do that? Absolutely. We tell people that aren't like us or we try to influence politics and policies and everything else. And I'm not saying there's, there's good things that God wants us to do in our world. But what I'm saying is we take the wrong perspective. It's a us against them and it's all us. How many people are not made in God's image? Nobody. God tells us everyone's made in His image. So when you talk harshly to those people outside the church, you're doing wrong. Do you know why I think God is so specific about this in Scripture? And I'm going to give you a verse here that's not actually in your notes. But God is so specific about this because He knows we're to influence those outside the church. And if they don't know Jesus, they don't know how to live. Maybe you can think back and remember how you lived before you came to know Christ. You didn't know what to do. You needed somebody to show you through Scripture how you could live a life that was better. And if you don't know that, should we expect much of you? What should we be expecting? We should be expecting exactly what you see, that you're living lost in need of a Savior. And that there's a, there's a level here that God expects that Christians don't attain, much less people that don't know God. And so what we do is we put those people down in things. Look at um, Colossians chapter 4. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. This verse is packed with truth. First off, live wisely among those who are not believers. God realizes there's non-believers all over. Does anybody work with anybody that doesn't, isn't a believer? Have family, friends that aren't believers? They're all around us. But we need to leave, live wisely among them and make the most of every opportunity. Now, here's one thing I want you to know about making the most of every opportunity is don't force opportunities either. Do you believe the Holy Spirit inside of us can tell us when the opportunity's right? Do you believe He can also tell us when you just need to shut up? <laughs> This is not the time for this. This is not the place. You know, give you an example. And I've heard people do crazy, awful things like this. A lady, their, their child has just died of a drug overdose. Do you go and say, you know what, ma'am? Your child lived an evil life and they're, they're burning in hell right now because you didn't, you didn't teach them right and they don't know God. That's one of those things where the Holy Spirit needs to put his hand over our mouth, isn't it? Where we just need to shut up. And there's times that we need to live wisely. That's not an opportunity. That's an opportunity to say, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you God loves you so much and he hurts so much for you right now. That's how to use that as an opportunity. And we just need the Holy Spirit to guide us to know what to say and when to say it. You know, don't force those opportunities. You know, here's, here's another verse, and it's, not, it's from 1 Peter 3.15, tells us to live, live wisely, but to defend our faith with gentleness and respect. 
You can write down a note and look that one up after a while. It's 1 Peter 3.15. It's one of my, my favorite passages of Scripture because it talks about knowing that we live among people that are not believers, that we need to deal with them with gentleness and respect. Respect means not automatically saying that we know what's best for you either sometimes. You know, living in a gentle word. How many people think it's a good way to witness to people by making them mad? Have you, ever, have you ever influenced anyone by ticking them off? Have you ever argued with your spouse and made them so mad that they came back and said, oh, honey, you're so right. That's the best thing you've ever said. You just made me feel so stupid. And, and I, you know, I had no idea you were so right about this. I am so mad that I'm happy. That doesn't happen. And we need to do that when we deal with those around us. We need to deal gently and with respect. Don't go out and argue with people. Don't go down to Riverbend next week with your big sign out that says you're going to hell for listening to Lionel Richie. (laughs) Now, I may agree that listening to Lionel Richie is hell for some of us, but it's not the same thing, guys. So don't go down there and make a fool of yourself and just, just don't go looking for a fight. Too many of us Christians, anybody remember that old gospel song, Onward Christian Soldiers? We think we're soldiers and we're on the offensive against the rest of the people of the world. We're on offensive against Satan. Only one person, we have one enemy that Christ has already defeated. So why are we so worried about going out into the world and cutting up God's people made in his image? You know, we're trying to do that all the time. We need to speak calming words in tense situations. Proverbs again says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Don't make the situation worse. Don't say mean things out of anger. Again, when you're talking to your spouse, you do not say mean things. Correct, Karen? Does that, does that ever work? No, it never works. There winds up being apologies and, and months of terrible things happen to you. <laughs> Just trust me, that's the way it works, at least in our house. You know, think, but, 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 but then after that, you remember, what do you not do again? You do not repeat that situation. There's a lesson learned. But we need to speak calming words. Sometimes humor can deflect a tense situation. If you know how to use humor, use it. If you know how to use empathy, use it. Use those things that are calming. Don't escalate the situation. If a friend comes to you and t- talks to you and says, I am so ticked off about this situation, this person did so and so, and you jump right and said, you're right, I just go over there and I'd hit them right now. You need to do something about that. This is just ridiculous. And you say, I've been there before too, but here's what I did. You know, sometimes we encourage a situation to get even more out of control. When our flesh is telling us to speak our mind, we need to remember to keep our cool. I had no idea that the Bible talked about keeping your cool in so many words. Proverbs chapter 17 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and who, who, he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Being cool in the situation, keeping your cool. When things go against you, just, just being smooth about it. You know, you don't lose your cool. I always think about, and I'm from a different era than, than a lot of you are, but some of you can relate. How I many of y'all always think James Bond was the coolest man ever to live? He is a horrible womanizing pig, but he's the coolest man that ever lived. Am I right? You know, he, he sets a horrible example for men. But did you ever see a situation where he wasn't just cool, calm, and collected? 
You know, he, he, did he ever go in and argue with the most evil piece, person in the world and argue with him? He's just like, no, man, I'm just too cool for you. You have no idea how cool I am. I'm going to come in and I'm going to cool this entire room. I'm so cool. I'm so chill about all this. Yes, I realize you have a laser beam pointed at me, but I'm cool, man. I'm good. We don't do that, but the Scripture tells us that having a cool spirit makes you, and this is should be gender neutral, as a man or woman of understanding. If you keep your cool, you will have understanding. Because when we're mad, we don't think straight. Am I right? When we're angry and don't restrain our words, we, we don't do that. Again, here's this thought of, of thinking before you speak. Restrain your words gives you knowledge. Knowing what not to say is more important than saying things. Do you get that? Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. It's not sometimes what you know, it's in how you use what you know. And that's what this verse is telling us. What we say impacts our testimony. We've talked a little bit about this this morning already, but listen to this from James chapter 3. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. What we say matters. What our tongue does in this world matters. If in one thing we're talking about how wonderful church is and how great God is and how much he influences our life, and in the next breath we're over gossiping and talking about somebody. That's blessings and curses, y'all. When we come out and we say, this person has done so-and-so and, and they're just awful and they're, they're this and they do that. Blessing and curses. Bless, they shouldn't come out of our same mouth because when we do that, people will think, are they really a Christian? Have y'all ever seen that? Have you ever seen anybody that claims to be a Christian and then sometimes their actions don't live up to it? If you answer no, you haven't looked in the mirror because we all do it. I mean, all of us do this. If you look in the mirror, we say we're a Christian and our actions don't always reflect that. We, we say things we shouldn't. We belittle other people. There are lots of things we do. But what we say impacts our testimony. And why are we here again? We're here to further God's kingdom on earth. We're here so that people know there's another kingdom besides just what goes on in this world. We're here to change the world. We can't change the world when blessing and curses come from our mouth at the same time. Nobody's going to care about the blessing part. Does anybody ever remember hardly what you said to them that was a help to them versus remember how you hurt them? When you go back and look in life, you can remember lots of things that people said that were hurtful for, to you, but you won't remember the good stuff sometimes. That's because you know, when blessing and curses come from the same mouth, all we tend to hear is the cursing. Jesus has a warning to us concerning the words we speak. What we say has eternal consequences. Matthew chapter 12 tells us, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Ouch, ouch. Your words, that you will give an account for everything you say to Jesus. And you will either be justified by what you said, or you'll be condemned by it. Okay, time right now to stop and pray for forgiveness, right? <laughs> because all of us have said things that we regret, and we know weren't, weren't good. And we're going to be judged by that. Now, the cool thing is, you know what? When God looks at us, if we're Christians and following Jesus, all he sees is Jesus. Y'all got to remember that. 
even though there's consequences for what we say, when God looks at his family, all he sees is his beautiful children who look like Jesus to him. And that's the beauty of accepting the Savior, is that he took the penalty for these things that, that we did. That judgment was ultimately fulfilled by Jesus on the cross for the things that we say that we should be condemned for. Jesus fulfilled that punishment for us. Now, going back to what we said a little bit earlier about what comes from our heart, is if we don't meditate on God's Word, we don't speak the right words. How can you speak into society, into the world around you, about what God says if you don't know what He says? And I'm not talking about you have to know every Scripture verse by memory, you have to know every passage reference. I'm talking about building your life upon the foundation of Christ's teachings. That So when things happen, you've, you've learned about it. You know, it's the, like the old, the old saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. If you take so much junk and garbage into your life that you've got this trash heap of stuff, you know, and think of, think of God's Word as a beautiful flower that you can give to the world. And it's down here, and there's trash piled up to here on top of it. Nobody ever sees the flower because all that comes out is the trash that you're putting in. You need to do it just the opposite. You need to bury the trash under the beautiful things of God in your life. And you need to pull on that treasury of good things as you speak to others. You know, Psalms 19 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable. In other words, God, the things that I'm meditating on, let them, let them be the right things. You know, it will not matter on Judgment Day who you voted for. It won't matter what TV programs you watched. It won't matter how much you were on Facebook or not. None of those things matter. You may think you're doing good in some of those even. Don't worry about it. The meditation of your heart needs to be acceptable to God. And the only thing that's acceptable to Him is meditating on His Word and what He's done for our world and what, what He did through Jesus Christ. So don't dwell on the stupid stuff and sure don't repeat it. You know, if you're taking dumb things in, please internalize them. You know, we tell you people not to internalize things. If you take something stupid in, just internalize it and don't share it with anybody else because it affects your testimony. You, you'll, you'll be a bad influence for the world around me. And then finally, I want to leave us with a prayer. This should be our prayer every day. Let our words and our heart reflect Christ. Psalms 14 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's what I was talking about a minute ago. I think setting guard, O Lord, over my uh, mouth is when I get ready to say something that the Holy Spirit walks up behind me and goes, you don't need to say that. And that's what this talk about is guarding our lips. So some of the work that we have to do as followers of Christ is we need to meditate on His Word. It means know what the Scripture says. Know what we should be doing. We need to let that flow forth from our mouths. Not the things that we believe, not the things that we want to speak, but man, we've got, to, we've got to channel the Holy Spirit. We need to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit into the world. Y'all agree with that? The Holy Spirit's inside us. The Holy Spirit's not out here camped out on the street corner talking to people. It's us. And He's using us to talk to people. So we need to be that conduit to change the world. We are empowered through our speech to change everything around us. How many of you have ever been changed by something that a Christian said to you? See? It works. We all have life experiences where somebody gave us 
a word from God that came from the Holy Spirit through them, and it's made it's changed our world. And that's what we're tasked with today, is we need to be able to do that. And guys, it's just a you know, it's a very practical thing for us that we don't think about sometimes how much the world is influenced by what we say and how much power are in our words. And I just pray today as, as, as a closeout that as, as we just have a word of prayer that we'll, we'll take a minute to reflect on that and think how this week, you know, we can, we can be a conduit for the Holy Spirit. We can, we can look at the good things that God's done for us and we can share those in the world around us and we can absolutely change the world. Now, where, do we ne- where does that change need to start, do you think? Right here. It needs to start in my heart, your heart. And then it needs to change the congregation of Journey. And then it needs to change the world around us in Red Bank, in the world in Tennessee, in the world in the United States, and then the world is a global world. And it all starts right here. If it never starts here, guess what? None of the rest of that ever gets reached because of us. And we have an awesome responsibility that God uses us like that. And Lord, I'd just like for us to, to pray right now, guys. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity today. Lord, I hope my, my words have been encouraging this morning, God, just, just as you require in Scripture. I pray, God, that today someone will make a change in their life, God, that they will, they will come, come to know you, come to know you more deeply. And God, that they will be empowered with the Holy Spirit to change this world, to change First of all, what's in their hearts, but to change the things around them, Lord, because we can't change those on our own, God. We have to have your spirit flowing through us to be able to do that. We have to be empowered. And God, I just pray that if there's someone here today, Lord, I never know everyone that's here. If there's someone here that doesn't even know, know you as Savior, know to follow you, Lord, I pray that today they'll make that very decision, that they'll turn their lives over and start changing it from the inside out, and they'll go forth and partner with us to make a difference in this world for you, God. I just pray for those that are away today, couldn't be here, God. I know there's a lot of vacations and things going on, and we thank you for those things that we are able to rest and recharge, God. Pray for safety for all of us, Lord, and just pray that you will encourage us this week through what's been said today. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen.